WTOCAM, W236CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And good afternoon and welcome to Community Connection. I'm Tina Cosby. Today is Wednesday, November the 1st. Wow. First uh, first day of the new month. One more month left after November and then we're into 2024. It's hard to believe. Uh, uh, quite a bit going on for the month of November, uh, starting with uh, tomorrow. Again, we'll get to more of that later. But starting with tomorrow, our uh, luncheon, our annual uh, fundraising luncheon for the Moselle Sanders Thanksgiving Day dinner uh, and meal uh, giveaway. So we're going to be out there at George's um, off of Benford Boulevard on the northeast side. George's Restaurant from 11 until 2. We're going to be talking to a lot of folks who are out there uh, enjoying the, the, the food, of course, but also uh, helping to raise money for one of the worthiest causes around the Moselle Sanders Thanksgiving Day dinner, which feeds tens of thousands uh, of people and has fed ten, actually probably prepared millions. I, I have to get that final number uh, from Stephanie Sanders uh, up to up until now, the final number of recent. Um, and we will be talking with Stephanie tomorrow, no doubt, and, and a bunch of others. So uh, please be sure to join us tomorrow for that live uh, presentation from the Moselle Sanders dinner. On the show today, uh, it is the city of Indianapolis's first and only theater uh, festival. It's a theater festival dedicated solely uh, and exclusively to the stories of black playwrights. Onyx Fest uh, is about to kick off just about any day now. We're going to hear uh, more about that in our second hour. Um, also in our second hour, uh, Indiana State Representative John Bartlett, a Democrat from Indiana House District 95. There's been some talk, specifically talk on this show. Is uh, Representative Bartlett going to stick around or is he going to call it a day and not seek uh, out another term? Well, he's going to answer that himself. That plus a lot more. Again, that's coming up. Um, in our second hour. Uh, but first, I wanted to share a bit of a cautionary tale, and it's still developing um, just a bit. Uh, but uh, he, here's what I know, and here, here's what I want to share. First, um, before I start the share, I want to let you know that this comes from um, a cousin. But uh, that's where, and just for full disclosure, it comes from a cousin. But the other part of that is, has it not been for the fact that this came from my cousin, I wouldn't have been able to share it with you and and help you and everyone else who may be listening uh, to be a little bit more aware. But uh, the, the long and the short of it is, um, my cousin, who uh, is the power of attorney and sole guardian for her father, uh, took her father to vote yesterday. Now, her father is, uh, he has mild to moderate, you know, moderate to mild, mild to moderate, I don't, I don't know, middle-of-the-road kind of dementia, um, and shouldn't really live by himself, so he lives in a nursing facility. Now, she goes uh, over there and takes him to dinners, to doctor's appointments, uh, you know, just things around, you know, they maybe movies or, or whatever, but because of her travel with her job and her work schedule, uh, she just didn't feel it, it was safe to leave him in the house by himself, so he's in a nursing facility uh, where, um, you know, where it's it's better for him. And again, he has good, you know, for most a lot of days he has some good, uh, you know, lucidity, very, very good. It's, it's kind of sometimes hard to tell uh, that he has dementia. But I, I say all of that uh, to say, to tell you this, 
Yesterday, she told me she took they, they they that's something they do together as well. They they go vote. And um, she took him to vote yesterday and he was denied the opportunity to vote. Uh, and she was like, what? And they said, well, he has requested an absentee ballot and that ballot has been returned and appears to be being processed. And she says, wait a minute, he's already voted. And um, they said yes. And so they looked into it. And it was indeed the fact that um, a request for an absentee ballot had been made on his behalf uh, and uh, apparently was in the process of being uh, processed. Uh, She asked him, did you request an absentee ballot? He said, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. It was a long time ago if I did. Yeah, yeah, I did. That was a long time ago. And she said, you vote? He said, "Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think I did. She said, who'd you vote for? He said, I don't know. I don't remember. Um, So she called anyway. uh, As you can tell, she's getting more and more agitated because first and foremost, and again, let me go back. She is his power of attorney. She is his only contact. She is uh, his legal guardian. And she was not notified or not formally notified that any type of voting activity was going to be taking place at the nursing home um, and that someone would be translating for him, I guess, or what have you. So um, she called the nursing home and spoke with someone who apparently said, yeah, yeah, I, I helped him with that and blah, 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 blah. So now she's she's furious because, again, no one has called her. No one had called her and let her know uh, that there was going to be voting or voting activity taking place at the nursing home because this was something that she does with him and was going to do with him all the time. Now, um, I asked her, what is, you know, what is his... Uh, uh, ability, you know, what 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 can he understand about voting? She says, well, he knows he's a Democrat, uh, but you have to remind him of who the candidates are and who the possibilities are. But he does know that he's a Democrat. He he, you know that that much he knows, but everything else he has to be walked through. So um, she, you know, called me and I said, oh my goodness, I said, I hope no one just took his vote. Well, in the course of several other calls that she was making. Um, she said that if he gave someone permission uh, to help him with his vote, then it's legal. Her point being, he has dementia. So he didn't necessarily know what he was signing or giving permission to. Um, and, you know, that that goes back and forth. Then she found out a little bit more that they are, um, there are these, these voting boards that go to these nursing homes um, and things of that nature. And um, there's a whole process and a system and, and blah, 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 blah. Again, that's fine, but she was upset because she was not notified that this was going to be taking place and that he would be casting a vote or request, you know, first of all, requesting an absentee ballot, which I guess was done on his behalf. I don't know. Or that he would be casting a vote and the vote would already be cast. Again, she is not notified of that and not made aware of that. So if someone helped him, uh, without, and, and said that he gave permission, but yet and still they didn't, know his condition or what? I, I, I don't know. And that's what she's trying to get clarification from. So I tell you all all of this because um, it would appear, 
and again, if you want to weigh in on this, if somebody knows how this works, let me know. 317-239-1310, 317-239-1310. But it would appear as if they took it upon themselves to go ahead and send him through the voting process, uh, despite his limited cognitive abilities with his dementia, and did not take the time to notify his family or to get permission from his family for him to cast the vote. And by them saying, you know, this traveling board goes to all the nursing homes and he has to get permission for help or, he, or no one can help him and blah, 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 that's fine and well, but he has diminished cognitive ability, right? So shouldn't she have been notified? Shouldn't you be notified if you have a family member uh, in a facility who has diminished uh, reasoning ability due to whatever, uh, dementia or anything of that nature? Shouldn't you be notified before something as serious as a vote is cast? Right? And that's the reason that she was taking him to early vote because she said he does get confused. He gets a little confused, and she has to spend time with him and walk him through it and talk him through it. And she said the only reason... Um, that she hammers home that he is because he has been a lifelong Democrat. He's 83. And she said he has never voted anyway, um, uh, other than the fact that as a Democrat. Now, he may not, she said he does know that, but she doesn't know if he told the staff there that he was a Democrat or she doesn't know any of it because she wasn't there to help. And she wasn't there to help because she wasn't notified that her 83-year-old father with dementia was about to cast a vote, right? So has this happened to anybody else? Do you? Do, and if it does, this is what this is what concerns me. I understand the legalities, the logistics. I understand all of that. I understand that this particular nursing home uh, and several others are on what's called, I guess, a circuit or what have you, that these traveling boards go to to help residents. And, yes, they do ask residents if they want to vote or if they don't want to vote. They ask residents, do you want help or do you not want help? The residents have to be a certain, don't they have to be of a certain uh, ability, though, right? I mean, he looks fine, and he can carry on a wonderful conversation, and he can do current events, whatever, but he has dementia. So shouldn't there have been something there? And the the the, the employee of the nursing home also knew and didn't, I guess, object or didn't ask any questions or didn't call the, the daughter, didn't call my cousin at all. And so right now, as we speak, uh, my cousin is, is calling everybody. And I, I placed a lot of calls, too, uh, to find out what exactly is this, because his vote's been cast. His vote has been cast. She doesn't know what. Now, what she really would like to do is to have that vote nullified and then give him another opportunity to vote with a clear head under her supervision so that he can, you know, there's only two choices, mayor and city county council. There's only two choices on the ballot. But yet and still, uh, she's feeling especially violated because she was not made aware of this, this civil right that, that her father has that was being done without her having at least some input into it and them taking just his word for something which can be compromised from one minute to the next. I mean, he has clear days, he has foggy days. How come that was not taken into effect when he was asked verbally and when he was allowed to sign a piece of paper 
that said that he gave his permission. Crazy. 317-239-1310. 317-239-1310. I know that there's just a lot of people that have family and friends in these facilities where uh, these traveling boards go uh, and things of that nature. And we just have to be we, we just have to be on it. We have to be on it to make sure that we know that their rights are not being violated. Uh, Sandra, go ahead. How are you? Hello, uh, my name is Sandra. I do work at the polls. I'm an inspector. I also have a 90-year-old father that I just buried July 26. I'm sorry. And I already, I know everything about the facility that he's in. I really sympathize with her, but when it's an election year, I know my dad's rights, and I find out what I need to do. It's your yeah. responsibility as the family. Well, that's what she was saying. She signed. Tw- she told me she signed 26 pages that she has read from top, top to bottom. No, no. What I'm saying is we know that there's an election. Yes. And we know that condition of our loved ones. Yeah. So then we take care of it. But that's you what she did. She was, taking him, she was taking him to vote. No. You know that this is going to happen. And you know that he can get a uh, ballot, absentee ballot. How is she to know that at that nursing home? Not at the nursing home, but at the time of the election. Everyone knows that you can request that. So, So that wouldn't happen. I would request it and have it sent to my home, or I would have took him to early voting, or I would have asked the facility what do they do before election time came up. Well, I think she was called herself being no, no, no. I know what you're saying. I think she called herself being proactive because I don't think she had any idea that the facility even did those things. What she thought was her responsibility was to get him to early vote. When she finds out that the facility has taken a, you know, and the facility had not notified. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But here's my question. How would she have known? Because first of all, let me see. He has been there since... Uh, what is this? This is November 1st, probably since mm, maybe February or March. And I think she took him to vote in the primary, and then she was coming back to take him to vote uh, in the early election for this municipal. And she... My My question would be, why didn't she notify them that she was going to? She did. No, when they mail the early vote, it's, it's public news. They're, they're mailing them out, period. I'm just saying, I, I already know what I'm going to do with my loved one. Mm-hmm. Nobody has to tell me. I know the rules of the home. I also know that election comes up every year and he's going to vote. And if he's not at a point where he can, then I'm going to take charge of that. Yeah. I'm not going to wait for somebody to call me. How did, how did you... Do you just because just knew you just knew, but really? I work with the election. I've done this for years. Right. Okay. So I know. But because I want my people to vote, I know everything. My thirty-six-year-old son, I know what to tell him to do because I know what I want my people to do. Mm-hmm. It's not anybody else's responsibility to take care of your loved one and to notify you of what you should do. Okay, I see what you're saying. I, I guess I'm trying to figure out where. Uh, because she's I, when my when my dad got so sick that he could not help himself. I was there every day. I talked to the people. I know what to do. I know what to do about his veterans affairs. I know what to do about the election. She, what she's done, yeah. I know. 
what to do. I knew what to do. Nobody had to tell me. I don't expect the nurses and the people at the facility that are caring for his basic needs to take care of his voting rights. I'm going to take care of that. So the the fact that she was the fact that she was taking care of his voting rights to the best of her knowledge or best of her ability by going to take him to early vote and then she later found out that they did that at the nursing home as well she found out after the fact because she had already taken him to early vote in in May and she knew nothing about the traveling boards and then she came back uh, i guess assuming that it was the same it's not so a she, secret about the traveling board That's yeah that they go to the facility uh-huh uh-huh. Okay, well, I will I will let her know. About the affairs of the seniors, and I make sure that I am. Yeah, and they stay in pretty much constant contact with, I, I don't know. I'm going to, you know what? I mean, because you can't notify everybody's parents, everybody's family, what's going on a day-to-day basis. You can't expect nobody to, to notify you of that. No, you can't. But if, if someone is... There, is there a permission thing though that 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 comes? Uh, is there? I I I I get what you're saying. Okay, so it's your responsibility to know that even to know even what you don't know, right? Yeah. 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 It's public uh, knowledge. It's not a secret. Uh. Of it's public knowledge. That's not a secret. Okay. Okay. Let me uh, let me let me go to your uh, Sandra. Thank you for your call, uh, Cameron. Go ahead. Hey Tina. Hey. So I was just chiming in because listening, and I was just thinking, okay, if I'm going to do, you know, if you do a story on this, what's the question? And the question you keep asking is, is his rights violated? And I see just the opposite. When that uh, ballot was mailed to him because he legally requested it, we would have a problem if that nursing home did not let him fill it out because then his right would have been denied. So mm-hmm. when that thing came, they need to fill it out because then your cousin has a lawsuit because she would say, well, they didn't let him vote. Mm-hmm. They didn't think that he was competent enough. And she would say that's not for them to decide. Yeah. The letter of the law is yeah. that's legally his. Yeah. So unless she had some paperwork that said he is not to vote, I absolutely would. I would say she has a lawsuit if they didn't let him vote. No, I don't. I don't think she's looking to have a lot. She she just feels like he she was not because of his diminished capacity, his diminished capacity. And and she has talked with the uh, secretary of state's office, I do believe. And they said that uh, they are when they go to the nursing home, that, that voting is not mandatory. Uh, that this this nursing home and several others, she learned today, this one and several others are on the traveling board circuit, and that what happens when the these these uh, uh, boards go into the nursing homes is that they do ask, uh, you know, they don't force anybody to vote. They do ask, do you you want to vote or do you not want to vote? And then if you don't know how to do whatever it is that you need to do, fill out the paperwork, you can fill out a piece of paper to uh, to say, I would like help. Her thing, and I, apparently uh, from all indications, that's what he did. So he allowed someone to help him with, you see what I'm saying, Cameron? Yeah, I see exactly what you're saying, and I'm saying because of that to the letter of the law, mm-hmm. that's no problem, because if he, if unless she has it written that says it doesn't matter what you ask him, you have to ask me first if he got legally registered and he was sent a ballot and they asked him, do you want help? And he said yes, and they filled it out. Everything is correct. You only would have a problem if they didn't. 
but because she didn't, unless she had something in there that said, it doesn't matter what it is, he is not to do anything without, unless you have my permission, mm -hmm. then there's no issue. So she would have had to preemptively make sure he doesn't vote. I mean, it could be, he can't go on a field trip. He can't, she would have to have done that. So where I'm saying there's a lawsuit because you said no. was his right violated. And I'm saying, no, I don't think it was. I'm saying it for, because we don't know what, what was voted on, but what we do know was that if that ballot came and they, and he wanted to vote and he was denied a vote. Now, right. I get that, that part. I write that. So was there is the, where is the middle ground? OK, where is the the fact that he was not, you know, that he has dementia? I don't think that's not a that's that's not a, a, a requirement to vote. You no, no, it's he, not. It's not a requirement to vote. No. Right. So so and so what I'm saying, and I think what the last caller was saying, the, what what she is asking is can be done, but it's not required. There is no middle ground. It's either. Because because the second we start getting into other people assessing uh, assessing the ability mm -hmm. assessing the ability now what happens when I walk in you because that's voter that's voter uh, suppression correct mm -hmm. correct yeah so if does he have a, did he have his license was it legally mailed to him congratulations vote and I would one could question and I don't think she would do this but I I think. Where where you get into a, a hairier situation is if she might know that her father has voted Democrat for you know sixty years, mm -hmm. but I my question is so suppose you know that, but what if what if he decided he said I want Shreve, who's who is it to decide if he is thinking clearly mm -hmm. or if he's not? Yeah. You would have to say what he said, right? Not right. what you think he would normally do. Maybe he had to change your heart this time. Mm -hmm. But I say what she's asking, we get into a whole lot of gray areas. What happened is clear cut and dry. He was able to vote. He voted. He was able to vote. Uh, they brought the vote. Again, they take these to these, these nursing homes. Um, and uh, there's a circuit, I guess. And he was able to vote. Uh, she was not aware of that. Um, and like the caller said, perhaps, uh, you know, get into the voting again. I think she thought she was being proactive by taking him like she had, um, uh, each time. I don't know if the voting board came for the, I, I don't know. I don't know what the situation well, was. And the, the other missing part is the, they didn't just show up with absentee ballots. One was sent for him. So who requested the absentee ballot? Cause that, would have been there before this visit. Well, my my understanding was from her, and, and she had to go to work at 1 o'clock or I'd have had her on the phone. But from what I understand, um, they bring the applications to the nursing home for those they bring and the, these teams are cons they, these teams are consisting of Democrats and Republicans, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they bring uh, the uh, the, re the the request for the absentee ballots, they bring them there. Mm -hmm. Now, somebody there, um, I don't know if it's somebody from the team or somebody there from the home that filled that out for him, but somebody filled out the request for the absentee ballot for him. So that's where your issue is. It is not 
that he voted. If he no, 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 the issue wasn't that he voted. No, 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 yeah, no, 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 no. I'm saying the issue where where she would want to intervene because you're asking, well, who let her vote? And next time this comes around, it needs to be no. He doesn't even get to fill out the application because if he's submitted that application and that vote and that ballot comes, he gets to vote. So well, like, the the application. So yeah. So go ahead. For cousin's sake, to prevent him to even get the ballot, because there's no denying that once he gets that ballot, otherwise we got big problems. If you deny him that ballot, he should have, she would have had to put in there some kind of, you know, in his paperwork at the nursing home that he's not to sign anything. And maybe mm-hmm. she does, maybe she doesn't. But it's not the vote. It would have been the application. Well, the application is the, uh, uh, I, I think, uh, another sticking point because she had no idea that the application had been submitted on his behalf. Right, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm totally with you on there, but I'm saying the application is the only sticking point because once he filled it out and it got to him, and unless she's there, you know, if it's, if it's me and I'm there at the nursing home running it, hey, that's your application, got your name on it, you submitted it. You better fill out that vote because I cannot tell you. I have nothing that says that you can't fill that out. Okay, hold on. Let me see. Hold on, just a minute. Uh, here we go. She just uh, she just texted me. Here she's texting. She's on. She's at work, but she's texting. Um, uh, Cameron, I'm gonna. I'm, I've got a little bit more clarity here. Uh, uh, I didn't know they were giving him an absentee ballot. I don't. Uh, the elections work with the elections. It was a secret. That is not public knowledge. The travel team brought the ballot to the nursing home. The clerk's office for Marion County said the team has both a Republican and Democrat that goes to the nursing home. Uh, the activities director requested the ballot applications. The nursing home requested the actual application for the ballot. It was the activities director. I had no idea. The activities director requested the ballot on his behalf. She had no idea. Right, so then, it, again, it goes back to the application, mm-hmm. not the vote. Yeah, okay, okay. Goes back to the application. Uh, yeah, once he's, once he, she would like to have the vote, because, but the, the, whole, the whole thing was the fact that the application was submitted, the application for the ballot was submitted without her, not that, okay, let me, let me read this again. The application, yeah. Yes. Okay. She's texting me back. Yes. So she said, yes, it was the application. That's the issue. Yes. It's the application. Because again, mm-hmm. if, if he's some, it doesn't let, it doesn't matter really at that point who signed it. If it's on his behalf and he says, and maybe he's. Oh, okay. Okay. We got it. Okay. She said the application was requested on his behalf. So the team, the team brought the ballot to the nursing home. Okay. The application so, was, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so if once once it was accepted, I, I guess what I guess you could you ask her who gave permission for him to put for the application to be submitted on his behalf. I just think it's all about the application because once that ballot comes and you're legal in, in every way, unless we have something that says you can't vote. Legally, you get to vote. Well, yeah, the voting. Okay, the voting thing, but the application. This she she keeps emphasizing the application is her. She's at work, but she's listening, I guess, and she's saying it's the application. And uh, it says he completed the application at the nursing home. Okay, right, and I'm I'm totally with you, and I'm totally Mm -hmm. with her on that part. Mm -hmm. So it would be that 
she would need to clarify or have, you know, going forward that, hey, he cannot sign, you know, anything. Yeah, and she says she did not give any permission for him to sign uh, an application for a voting, for an absentee ballot. So with that, um, it would just be, I would say, again, they're not, I don't see why they would... um, throw out the vote because oh no this is just what she was just okay let, let me let me yeah. let me let me let's pull that off the table okay she was just saying the whole thing is, is just tainted because of you know this process this isn't it the key here and you're right you drilled down exactly correctly and because actually this is what she's saying as well the application the the ask the request for an absentee ballot was done without her permission right that's what she's saying. And so the first caller is talking about the, the process that it happens. Yeah, it does. Okay. And it's in her best interest to know all of that. She said she didn't know that. But she did know that she did not give permission for him to request an absentee ballot, which apparently he was assisted with at the nursing home or by somebody uh, that was taking care of something there. And that's where it all got, uh, it all got out of control. Gotcha. That makes more sense. Yeah, that's where it all got out of control. And then she's she's texting me here. Uh, and so it got out of control to the point where she took him to vote. He couldn't vote. She says, well, that vote's not, you know. But, again, very good. Drilled down, got it. And, and this is, she's, she's keying in on the same point you are. Um, she said that there was a, a, an employee there that assisted him with the application. She did not assist him with the application. All right. There's, well, there's. Yeah, and so therein, uh, I don't know. It's kind of a mess. It just, you know, you just got to keep track. But again, I, I do commend her for proactively taking him to vote because that is his right, regardless of his state of mind. That is his right, right? Yeah, that would be his right. Especially if it came, he's good to go. Yeah. Tina's good talking to you. Got to go. Got a bus to drive. Well, drive that bus. Drive that bus. <laughs> All right, Cameron. All right. Thank you. Uh, 317-239-1310. Uh, Derek, go ahead. Hi, this is Terry. Oh, Terry, I'm sorry. I said Derek. Go ahead. No problem. Um, as the young lady stated earlier about herself, I've worked as a clerk when they had judges that did that, and I've worked mm-hmm. as an inspector, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it may not be a secret that there's a traveling board, but it's not really common knowledge mm-hmm. because the traveling board is something that's a very special portion of the voting system. Mm-hmm. And if they are brought into a facility like a nursing home, the nursing home staff, if they were doing the job properly, they should have contacted family members mm-hmm. about the situation. Mm-hmm. The other part about no one is responsible for notifying us. That's not true. Local municipalities need to notify us about the details of local elections, states, the same about state elections. Mm -hmm. The nation is responsible for notifying us about national elections. And uh, I, I feel for your cousin. She should definitely talk to the clerk's office and see if Mm -hmm. the, the vote for the absentee ballot can be thrown out and take them in person. Yeah, well, that's that. Like I said, that 
you know, Cameron was talking about process. I was talking about what she felt like from the, the flawed process from the start all the way to the end. So I understand Cameron drilling down on where the uh, the issue occurred. But into, but he was also talking about his right to vote and all. You know, that that's fine, too. Uh, the right. first caller, she was correct as well to a point as well. But, again, what, the, what my cousin was concerned about was that the absentee ballot request was made on his behalf without right. her knowledge. That's, that's what she was uh, concerned about, and therefore she feels as if uh, the whole thing is in. But at least uh, she does have an investigation going. She does oh, have an investigation. Absolutely, and it shouldn't take them long mm -hmm. to give her the information whether or not she mm -hmm. has the right to have that absentee ballot vote discounted and uh, take them in person. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it uh, because I don't know this stuff. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> this stuff. I do know that it is a cautionary tale for everybody to be uh, on the lookout and to be aware, especially around election time and especially if you have uh, loved ones in these facilities. Just know what's going on with them. You know, um, and Derek, I appreciate that call because for clarity, Cameron, I appreciate your call. Uh, the caller before Cameron, I appreciate that call. I appreciate all of them. And again, I wish that uh, she could be here, um, but she uh, she has to be uh, at work. She's just listening with one ear, I guess, and working uh, with the other and is texting when she can uh, uh, in, in response to the, how the conversation is going. I have a couple more calls to get to, and I will. Uh, if you stay right there, We're, right now we got to squeeze a break in. I will be right back with more on this. Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. And we're back with Community Connection. Got an interesting conversation going. Um, I have a, a cousin who has a situation with her father, a voting situation that uh, has gotten quite complex and complicated. Um, I, I wanted to share that because I think it's a good idea for everybody uh, who has um, a parent, a family, a loved one, any, um, anybody in a facility that allows them to exercise uh, their right to vote, to know everything that's going on. Uh, this particular cousin of mine uh, is launching an investigation. She's looking into why it was that uh, there was a request for an absentee ballot submitted on her father's behalf without her knowledge. Um, she took him to vote yesterday uh took him to early vote and he was denied the opportunity to vote because he had already requested an absentee ballot she said she did not request a ballot and she didn't know of anyone requesting a ballot uh they traced the ballot request to the nursing home and there go in lies the problem um uh, uh, my good colleague cameron riddle called in and he made a good point about voting in general and some other things uh but my cousin who is listening, she can't be with us, but she's because she has to work, um, has been texting all along and, and keeps circling back to the fact that there was the, the issue for her was the absentee ballot request. Not that the traveling board went to the nursing home, not that she didn't know. You know, she didn't know, but she's going to know now, I guess. Uh, but the fact that how is a request made on his behalf without her knowledge? Um, uh, so... 
yeah, there's that. Uh, a lot of you wanted to weigh in, and I do want to listen. Uh, and I, I'm taking. She's texting me as we, uh, as we talk, because again, like I said, she, I, I gave her the the voter, uh, the election hotline that Julie Julia Vaughn gives us. Uh, she is called the clerk's office. She is called. Um, uh, the attorney, you know, not attorney general, the uh, secretary of state's office. So she has made a lot of calls and, of course, called the nursing home back and still waiting to hear back from um, a number of those folks. So uh, there we have it. Thank you to everybody that's calling in, weighing in. Uh, but again, this is a conversation. Uh, I, you know, I'm getting it as we go along. I'm getting a little bit more. Again, this happened just literally right before I walked in. So, um, that's why I'm just just catching up to uh, a little bit more of it, but um, yeah, let's let's go back to the phone lines. Dave, go ahead. How are you? Hi, Tina. I'm I'm how how are you doing, Tina? I'm doing well. How are you? Okay, I'm just saying I'm 100 percent with your cousin. Tell her to fight, fight, and fight because this goes even beyond the voting process because they're. Last few callers kind of stole my thunder a little bit. Mm -hmm. They said some excellent things. I understand the legalities on, mm -hmm. about things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that was Cameron's point. That was Cameron's point. Mm -hmm. Okay, Cameron's point. And the other callers. And point. the other callers, oh. yeah, the first caller, yeah. Yeah, they were all excellent points on the legalities and things. But I, I think it was that last caller. Mm -hmm. He really hit the point on it and said some things I didn't know. But I back your cousin one hundred percent. She must fight this mm -hmm. because right. if they're doing it just with the voting, think about the other things they're doing to our seniors. Yeah, and again, that, that's that, yeah, that's that, oh, exactly, and that's why I'm sharing this as a cautionary tale. There's so many uh, tentacles to this. You know, there's so many branches to the tree, so to speak. Uh, but you know, when you drill down to the essence of it, you know, uh, as the first caller said, it's in your best interest to know everything that's going on as much as you can. But uh, there are going to be situations, I guess, even though you try to stay as aware of things as you can, where you just don't know what you don't know. Right. You know, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, I'm only too happy to bring because I didn't know it. I didn't know, uh, you know, about all that. And I certainly didn't know that absentee ballots can be requested on your behalf uh, without your family having been notified. I just I've never heard of that. But um, yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Tina. No, go ahead. Um, it, it, it's almost it's just like it seems like the legal process and stuff. Come on now. It's not like they're just taking advantage of people. Like you said, it's, there are things you don't know, and this team can go around, and you don't let the well. No, the team only. The know. team only. The team only shows up. And thank you, Dave. From my understanding, the team only shows up after they've been requested to show up. I know, I know they they make a round. They they go in in general, but you have to have you know there there's a request, and that's what we keep getting back to the request that you know the fact that he who has dementia had the wherewithal to say I want to request an absentee ballot from the nursing home. He wanted to request an absentee ballot. Uh, that that's almost impossible to believe that he could have done that. That he requested an absentee ballot. So that's that's the issue. Uh, Lynn, go ahead. How are you? Hi, Tina. Um, I'm just, it's just, um, it, it, it boggles my mind. Um, you know, I think that it's, it should be mandatory uh, for these nursing homes when, when a ballot request is given or, you know, or requested um, that the people should be notified. Um, your cousin should have been notified, especially knowing that, or maybe they should just put up a, uh, uh, a notice or something. Yeah, maybe a general, uh, because the, the first caller was correct. There's too many people 
uh, to, to talk to each and every family member. I get that. But maybe a general notice of some sort? Yes. Yeah. Yes, so that people will be aware that this is coming. You know, this is going to happen, or you know, and so that they can be aware of this and be present, yeah. you know, and not find out after the fact. Yeah, after you know, the And fact. with all this controversy with voting right now, you know, it, it kind of makes, makes me question that. Yeah, it kind of does. It brings a lot of questions to mind, Lynn. And again, uh, someone with, you know, somewhat of a diminished capacity, I mean, he can process certain things and he can keep them processed for a certain amount of time. But there are other periods of confusion and things of that nature. And I can guarantee, I can't guarantee you, but I can just say with a, a fair amount of certainty that it's just so unlikely that he would have had the wherewithal to say, hey, can you get me an absentee ballot and have it sent here to the nursing home? I just right. don't, because I know the election is coming up November 7th, and I know the deadline for my request for an absentee ballot is October 26th. That's a right. lot for most people to process, let alone somebody right. that has pro- processing compromise. has dementia. Yeah, that's exactly Come right. On, that's really questionable. It's very, very, that's, and, and that's. And for so someone to help him fill out the ballot. You know, I, I question that as well. Yeah. Well, you that know, like the, said, the, the, all the controversy yeah. going on. Yeah. The answer to that one was that he he answered all the questions correctly and he gave them permission to help him fill out the ballot. He gave, and that to me is suspect because he gave you permission. Yeah. He does. Yeah. Okay. He gave you permission. So anyway, but again, the request uh, we we got to keep getting back to that because that is right. that is the case. And, uh, but and she once that she, request is made. Yeah. With these mm-hmm. nursing homes who have these teams coming out, mm-hmm. it should be a mandatory that they mm-hmm. put up a notice and say, we, you know, we mm-hmm. have a team coming in because we have we have had requests for ballots for uh, absentee ballots or yeah. Yeah. early voting or whatever, mm-hmm. and you know. Yeah, the, the string. Yeah, the string of of all of the things that you would have to have known and string together in order to request an absentee ballot. I, I just think is beyond his comprehension at this point. Exactly. I, I just exactly. think it is. Delenn, thank you so so very much. Uh, You're thank welcome. you. I thank appreciate you. your call. Indeed, Miss Smith, go ahead. Hi, Tina. Um, I, um, first of all, I want to commend your cousin because she seemed like she's doing a good job in taking care of her dad. Um, being that I've worked in nursing home facilities, memory care. Over the years, mm-hmm. a lot of times I worked in the activities department. Um, normally, with the activities, we are responsible for like that. That falls under activities. Oh, okay. So my question would be: Okay, did the activity director, you know, post something? Um, a lot of these facilities don't do the best job with communicating. A lot of them, we all mm-hmm. know, nursing homes, assisted living, whatever, they're not the very best. Mm-hmm. But we will post information like in the front. And also, we have monthly calendars mm-hmm. where we posted different events. So the That's good. That's good. Knew about mm-hmm. what was taking place. Mm-hmm. Um, they could pick up a calendar when they came in so um, they would know what was going on. On the other side, a resident have rights, whether they have dementia or right. they have Yes, rights. they do. Yes, they do. They have the right to vote. Now, right. It would have been the activity, I would think, the activity director would have set up 
for the people to come out mm-hmm. for the residents to vote. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that your cousin um, moving forward needs to communicate, number one, with the activities department. Mm-hmm. Let them know, mm-hmm. let the activity director know that, you know, I'm his POA. Mm-hmm. Please keep me informed of, of upcoming events. I'm out of town. I don't know if you said she's out of town. Or whatever. She is. She, is. she uh, works. Uh, she works. Actually, she works two or three jobs. So she's um, in, in, in and out of town. But she's she's trying to work from home a lot more now so she can be closer to him. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. So she can communicate with the activity director to let her mm-hmm. know, let her let the activity director know that she's the POA to keep her abreast on, right. on the events um, that are, are going to be happening at the facility. Also, maybe the social service director as well can know as well. And a lot of things pe- people also need to understand there are so many different forms of dementia and different stages. Yes. So somebody can have dementia and it be mild dementia and mm-hmm. they can't remember long term, but they can remember the the, the things right now. So um, if she, she asked the residents, like they have resident council meetings, things mm-hmm. like that. If he mm-hmm. was in there and she said, the director said, okay, we're having voting come. Who wants an absentee ballot? Mm-hmm. And he raised his hand. Yeah. They have to, they have to acknowledge it. So, yeah. Yeah. Right. So he may have acknowledged then, and that's why they mailed it there. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I see both sides. I do. Being a little frustrated, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's about communication and really knowing what's going on. And like the first person said, and I see this a lot in facilities, some family members don't stay on top of what's going on with their levels. It sounds like your cousin is doing a good job. She just didn't really know about this part, mm-hmm. but they always used to come out to facilities. So yeah, yeah. From what she but, found out just this morning, that there's there's a circuit that, that you know on the regular they regularly do this, uh, and what have you. And she, I, I, to the best of my knowledge, she goes over, um, you know. And I went out once to see him. Haven't been out back out there, but the, you know he was he was perfectly you know, uh, aware. He was reading the newspaper, telling me about what was going on in the news and different things like that. So he, again, he has periods, as you know, working in a memory care unit. Um, uh, my father called him the other day and said that they had the best conversation that you never would have known that he had it. And then, you know, you might call him five days later and he'll say, who is this? You don't sound like you're, you know, or something like that. So it is, it is a difficult situation to assess. And, um, yeah, and I, I I think that you're correct about the, the calendars and uh, the meetings and maybe getting a little bit more uh, one-on-one with the activities director. So something like this, you being a former activities director, you said this falls under activities, correct? Right. Usually they'll set it up for them to come out. Uh-huh. Also, a lot of times uh, uh, nursing homes have uh, uh, care plan meetings, and, and the Family members usually involved in a care plan meeting, which involves the mm-hmm. social service director, uh-huh. the the nurse, the activities director, dietary, all of that. And so the the caregiver or the uh, family member can express their concerns, what they're wanting, uh, things of that nature in there. So she might also want to talk, just moving down the line, with mm-hmm. the social service director and um, when they have the next care plan meeting to express what she's looking for, what she's wanting. Um, from them as far as communication or whatever moving forward because they do have care plan meetings. Wow. Um, and, so and, you know, so, yeah, Miss Smith, this has been your, uh, all of these calls have been so good and I, I have appreciated and I know as my cousin is listening while she's at work, she's she's texting and saying yes, yes, yes and uh, and things of that nature. So um, so your, your recommendation then going forward, first of all, um, 
I, it's it's got to be tough doing memory care just in general. It, it has to be tough. Um, but I enjoy it because I love singers, and I uh-huh. my grandmother had Alzheimer's, so I kind of understand dementia. Mm. Um, so it, it's I, I love being in that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they have rights, and I've seen where their rights have been um, uh, violated in facilities here in Indianapolis. So it's good for the family to stay on top of what's going on. And another thing I can suggest to your cousin, just saying this, pop up. If you if you ever pop up, pop up on the weekends because that's when they're not doing what they're supposed to do if you want to stay on top of what's, what's going on with your loved ones. So. Pop up on the weekend, a weekend pop up. Now, yes. what, why, why the weekend? Why the weekend? It's kind of laid back. The, the, uh, the administration and stuff, a lot of times they're off on the weekends, so you may have a few of the head nurses there and, and some of the techs there, but it's kind of laid back, so they're not on top of doing what they're supposed to a lot of times on the weekends. I know, because <laughs> frustrate me. But I'm not going to say the names of the places, but I'm just yeah. saying stay on top of what's going on with your loved ones. You know? and, and so how do you, how would you say the way to remedy this for not only not only for my cousin, because again, I like I said, I usually don't bring you know use the airways for family. But I, I, again, I thought this was a good topic for a lot of people to learn from and to know more about, so that they can learn more about it for their own uh, uh, families as well. Is the only reason I brought this in, into it. But you know, moving forward, um, and because we've got the next election, uh, uh, the the big one, the presidential one coming up next year, twenty November twenty twenty four, one year from basically a year from uh, in a couple of days. So. You're saying establish a relationship now. If you want to take care of the voting, establish a relationship now with the activities director, correct? Right. Pay, communicate. Yes. And pay hyper, pay hyper attention to uh, the calendars, not just the menu, which they get a lot of t- they get every day, but the calendar, the activities calendar, not just the menu, right? Right. And if she's out of town, she can ask the director, can you email me a copy of the monthly calendar uh-huh. or or, you know, communicate with her. Let me know when the next voting uh, thing is or when you're going to be doing ballot or whatever, whatever. Just communicate with the activities mm-hmm. director, but also let her know to make sure she's in attendance some kind of way on the care plan meetings so that everybody would be on the same page about, okay, I'm the POA, communicate with me about this, 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 or this. Mm -hmm. Well, I I can, I can tell you uh, just, uh, and and I can tell you this because you just, you you just came to mind, but um, I I think that that is going to be done in excess because I I know my cousin and I know how she and her dad, uh, even before he started getting sick, they were hyper involved in elections and and politics and voting and things of that nature absolutely uh, involved. So I don't doubt that he probably said, I want to vote. I don't doubt that he said, I want to be involved in the process. I don't doubt any of that because that's the way he has always been. Um, and that's why she took it upon herself to make sure that as long as he had uh, a certain amount of cognitive ability, that she would personally take him so that he could exercise his right to vote, which he found, you know, he, he feels very strongly about. So. Yeah. And one last thing, and I'll let you go because I know other people want to chime in. If she communicate with that activity director, you know, let that activity director know my father has a little dementia, I mean, whether it's mild or whatever. If you don't mind, just please communicate him if you're going to be saying, uh, telling about the voting or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Even if he say, I request one, 
she's already communicated with the uh, the director, so the director would communicate with her, uh-huh. even though, you know, it's the communication. So she'll know, okay, well, Miss So-and-so already said this, so I need to, you know, although he said he wants the ballot, I, I guess communication. Absolutely. Director, so. Absolutely. That's, that's <laughs> a lot. That's a lot. Don't say that's all. That's a lot. And that, that helps us, as have all of the calls. Miss Smith, I cannot thank you enough. Uh, my cousin says thank you uh, as well. She's well, texting me as we speak. And I, I would, you know, any other day she would not be working at one o'clock, you know, so uh, she would, uh, she would gladly have joined us. But thank you very much. And I'm sure that they're going to take that. As far as how it's going to, I'll let everybody know how this all uh, ends up as far as, uh, you know, the vote and and, and what happens with his vote and, and, and everything uh, pertaining to that. But, uh, yeah, certainly a lot of sage advice and some wisdom here, too. So thank you very much, Miss Smith. Okay. Have a good day. You too. And we'll be back with more Community Connection right after this. WTLC AM, W236CR, Indianapolis. Keeping you informed with what's happening in and around Indy. It's Community Connection. Brought to you by Child Advocates. Your voice, their future. On Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM. And we're back with Community Connection. Top of the second hour. Going to switch gears here a little bit, but not too, too far off the topic when it comes to uh, voting. Uh, Indiana State Representative John L. Bartlett, uh, representing House District 95. Uh, Representative Bartlett, how are you today? Doing fine. How about yourself? I'm doing well, doing well. Just, um, you know, just hanging in there. It got cold too quick for me, so <laughs> I'm just uh, <laughs> trying to adjust. It's just the first day of November, but it feels like we're in the middle of January in a way. So. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, of the, a lot of the activity last night in the neighborhoods was kind of <laughs> slowed down a lot by the weather, too. So, but, Well, it, it was, but uh, back when we were younger, we, we, we went trick-or-treating was out of cold. I know, I know. It just bundled up a little more, and and stayed out until we had to come in. Empty a bag and go get another one. <laughs> keep going, keep going. Those were the days, weren't they? Yeah, you're yeah. telling my secrets now. Yeah, I know, I know. I, know. I, I won't tell too many more. <laughs> well, well, how have you been? I tell you what, let, let's get this out of the way first before we go any further. There, you were, Your ears must have been burning because um had a caller, couple, maybe it was a couple of callers, uh, a week or two ago that said, have you heard uh, Representative Bartlett is not going to, you know, he's not going to continue in the job. He's going to, to give it up. He's not going to seek another term. He's going to resign, blah, blah, blah. I said, I haven't heard that. Uh, but then we have the opportunity to have you on the, the show to set the record straight. So are you are you still with us? I will be a candidate for House District 95 in 2024. Okay. So that means you're still with us. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so you will still run. So you're still going to continue to seek office. So, yeah. so we can put those rumors to rest that you will not be running again, and that you're getting ready to resign, and you're just not interested in governing anymore. You are in uh, for the count if the count uh, goes your way in 2024. Absolutely. Okay, in 2024. Okay, we gotta like that. Well. Uh, Good luck to you and congratulations. So I'm glad that you said it here on Community Connection. John uh, L. Bartlett is running again in 2024. So, absolutely. Um, so, so what has, um, whoo, what's what's been on? You all just came through a long budgetary session. Uh, the upcoming one is going to be a little bit shorter. What, what can you say about what you just came through, and and what can you say about what's about to, what lies ahead? Well. We just came through, as you said, the budget session, and 
uh, I wasn't happy with the budget, but uh, the majority rules. And that's why it's so important that we vote. Mm-hmm. So important that we vote. Uh, the I think we put $100 million in, up for mental health. Mm-hmm. But we had a, like a $6 billion surplus. Mm-hmm. $100 million is not a lot of money for mental health. Uh, we have 92 counties in the great state of Indiana. And to build a facility and staff it, you know, if you did one for each county, you only got a million dollars, a little over a million dollars because you got 92 counties with $100 million. But if you did a regional kind of a situation, but it was not organized uh, to do it that way. And so... It, it, it sounded good to the public. We put $100 million into to mental health, mm-hmm. but $100 million with no plan is just not good government, government in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, the, what, so then what? Well, I'm going to charge. I've been in the legislature since December 2007. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to charge our taxpayers into holding your elected officials accountable. You can't just elect someone and send them to the state house and expect for them to do all the work. They need help. All of all of our legislators need help. We need to hear your voice. We need to. I can't do what you want me to do if I don't hear from you. I am your employer. I work for you. You're a taxpayer. I work for you. Your tax dollar pays my salary. Your tax dollar pays for me to go on political trips. Your tax dollar pays for me to go to the, the various meetings. Mm-hmm. And anytime you spend your money, if you pay, pay money for a vehicle, you're going to make sure that you get to drive it. So why would you pay for uh, an elected official and not know what they're doing? That just doesn't make good sense to me. Here's what doesn't make a lot of sense to me either, uh, and we talk about this on the show a lot. There are too many people across the state who do not know who represents them at the state house. They do not know who represents them in Congress, the U.S. Congress. They do not know who represents them on the city county council. How can we, and I say we collectively, because, you know, if, if there's something we at this radio station can do, we're only too happy to do it. How can we make that not as much of an issue because a lot of folks will call here and they, they'll they'll voice a complaint and I'll say, well, who's your representative? I don't know. Well, who's your counsel? I, I don't know. I've, I've never, I've never been. How do we connect that and make people more aware of the fact, what you're saying is 110%, you know, there is such a thing, but it's all true. So here's the, here, where's the, the, the disconnect is people don't know who, the representatives are, they don't know who is representing them. Not enough people know. Now, there are those who do know. They make it their business to know. They make it a point to know. They they do the research and they do whatever. And I'm sure that you have folks that, that don't have a problem talking to you at all about what they want and what they want to see. But we've got to figure out a way to make it feel more accessible to more people so that they do know how to exercise these levers. First off, we have probably less than, uh, well, I know it's less than 20% of the people who vote. 
twenty-seven oh, yeah. people. Yeah, well, there's that. There's that. There's that. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you've got eighty percent of the people who do not vote with the most complaints. <laughs> well, there's that too. Okay. Yeah. And then we look for somebody to blame. Mm-hmm. And actually, if John Bartlett, your state representative, is not doing what he should be doing, and you've discussed that with John Bartlett, then you should not be voting for John Bartlett. Mm-hmm. Now, if you can't not vote for him, uh, he's not heard from you. He don't know what you want or don't want. Because the job of a state representative is to represent the ideology of his constituency base. Represent the ideology of his constituency base. So the majority of his constituents are telling him, this is what I want, no matter what he wants. The majority of his constituents are saying, this is what I want. That's what he's to go to the state office and fight for. He or she, that's their job. Same with the state senate. Their job is to fight for what their constituency base wants. Mm-hmm. And if you're not communicating with your elected folk, how can you expect for them to give you what you want? Yeah. 317-239-1310, 317-239-1310. Democratic State Representative John Bartlett, representing Indiana House District 95, is our guest um, at this point in time, taking a look back at the last session and look forward at the next session. Uh, Representative Bartlett... What, you know, what, are, are there any issues of concern for the upcoming session that you have? I know you said you weren't happy with the last... Yeah, that probably be controversial. Okay, um, okay. Uh, in, in my opinion, our criminal justice system is broken. Uh, and I don't have documentation on this yet, but I've talked to some uh, folk who have been incarcerated. And I'm understanding that the food that comes in uh, is stamped on the food, on the boxes. Uh, some say it's stamped zoo food. Some say it's, it's stamped uh, not, not for human consumption. Oh I get the fact that if you've violated and uh, have to go to prison, mm-hmm. you pay your debt to society, you've done something wrong. I get that. But you're yet human. Yeah. And I, I don't think that because you're an inmate, you should be mistreated. I, the, 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 I get the fact that uh, you have to you have to do this time. I get that, but I don't. I think you should get quality food. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's. I'm even doing some research on some other things, and I don't want to put too much of it out there because I don't have documentation to say that it's true. But there's some question. I'll put it that way. It's some question now that. If you've been incarcerated for a certain length of time, once you're released, it's at least five years before you can reproduce because of the chemicals and the poor quality of food that you receive while you're there. So I'm in, I'm, I'm, I'm researching that right now. Uh, male, female, both? Both. Both have reproductive systems. I didn't know if it impacted one more than the other. Both. Okay. Interesting. Wow. Mm. No, the humanitarian aspect is certainly, you know, huge. A certain consideration, absolutely. I, I, I can't. There's no argument there. So, how do you do it? How do you go? What do you do? Well, I, I've got to get the. I've got some. I want to do an intensive study 
on our criminal justice system, period. From the time they turn the red lights on behind you, stop you, uh, detain you, mm-hmm. you go to court. I want to make sure everybody's treated equally there. See, and that's one of the things that I love about Ryan Mears, and he told me, and he's doing it. He said that uh, as a prosecutor, he'll make sure that everyone's treated equally. Mm-hmm. And that's something we have not had. And so, and in my opinion, he's doing that. And that's what I want. I want everybody treated equally. If if Tina Cosby robs a bank and goes to court, no nothing on her record. John Bartlett robs a bank, goes to court, nothing on his record. Our sentences should should, should be parallel. Yeah. You know, it, it uh, whether you're black, white, male, female, should make a difference. Yeah, shouldn't absolutely should not. So, um, so that that's that's going to be one of your. You know, one of your focuses, uh, what else are you looking at or eyeing? I believe that our educational system is broken. Mm-hmm. Okay. We come up with different tests. Uh, I read, I learn, I fall, I jump, I uh, <laughs> this, mm-hmm. that, other. And we keep testing our students. But uh, I heard uh, a congress- congressman say one time, you cannot fatten a hog or a cow by weighing it. You have to put something in it. And that's the same with our children. You can't uh, educate them by testing them. We need to begin to educate our children. And what I will be calling for for the next 10 years is an annual summit Mm -hmm. for our educators to come in and tell the legislators what they need. Our legislators are telling the teachers what they need to do to educate children. And we're policymakers. We need to listen to the people who have hands-on and let them direct us and tell us what is needed in the classroom. Tina, when I went to school, you couldn't have a calculator in in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And now you got computers on every desk. Times have changed. Mm-hmm. We need folk who have the hands-on, who are doing this every day, to tell us what's needed, and we craft legislation to fit what they need in the classroom so we can educate our children rather than us trying to tell them when we're sitting at the state house not knowing what's going on in the classroom. Legislation that addresses what is needed in a community, a state, or what have you, versus legislation that satisfies a political agenda. How And, and you know, we know what we're talking about. How does a... A ca- you know the Dem- Democratic Caucus, the Black Caucus, it, it, any anyone in the minority of a supermajority that doesn't share that viewpoint. How do you leverage what you do have to get more of what you do want and more of what you do need? How how can you leverage that? That's where your constituency base comes in. When they we did a bill on puppy mills. 313 people showed up for those puppies. Oh, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Nothing against puppies, y'all. I'm just saying, yes, I can see that. Now, a week prior to that, this was the year that we had the Super Bowl, uh, and and we did something on human trafficking, which is is, is, uh, a passion of mine. Mm -hmm. 17 people showed up to testify on those human trafficking bills. 17. 313 people showed up to testify for the puppies. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Yep. Now, my dad trained dogs for a living. I love dogs. 
my dad trained dogs for a living. And so, like, I have absolutely nothing against dogs. I love dogs, and they're my favorite dogs. However, if it came down to a dog or a baby, I got to go with the baby. <laughs> it's just that's just where I am. Well, but yeah. we will put we will put more into animals than we will into humans. Mm-hmm. And so that's a proven that's been proven. There's no doubt. Yeah. So no doubt. what we need to do though, that's that's behind us. Life's in front of you. So what what we need to do is to look at where we are as a community, as a state, as a nation. And we have to sit down and say, okay, this is where we are. This is where we need to get to. What can I do to help us get there? And we need uh, our constituents to start showing up at the state house, start voicing your opinion, start writing letters. It, uh, uh, I'm, I'm old and old-fashioned. I don't do a lot of uh, – I don't particularly care for emails, uh, but that's, that's, the, that's the time now. Mm-hmm. But if you show up in person, uh, that makes a difference. It makes a difference. Um, you know what? Um, yeah, it does. It does. I, I, I think just in, any kind of a presence, though, in this day and time uh, makes a difference. Because a lot of people, when, when some of these decisions are being made, it's in the middle of the day, in the middle of the week, and folks work. And so not everybody can get downtown to... Uh, the state house at you know two thirty or three o'clock in the afternoon or ten or eleven in the morning uh, on a Tuesday. Um, now the good news is that a lot of these uh, discussions, what have you, uh, are planned well in advance, are scheduled, and so there that helps a little bit. But um, what's another way of making your voices heard? Uh, phone calls to the, the speaker's office, or I mean, how else can you do it if you cannot be there physically on the regular? Well, you can write letters, you can send emails. Uh, emails do work; they work, uh, and not just to the speaker. You want every legislator see it. It uh, the the speaker most of the time does not even vote. He mm. chairs he chairs the meeting. He doesn't even vote most of the time. Mm. Now, uh, there's something near near to his heart he'll vote, but uh, it's not required that the speaker vote. Mm-hmm. So the folk who, because everybody wants to get reelected, if they run it, they want to get reelected. Yeah, and yeah. They, they you hear a lot of folk complaining about this one issue. Uh, they gonna kind of pull away from that party, that party line, and go with the, what, what their people want. Mm. Hmm. Well, so do you do you foresee any shift in the numbers um, there at the Indiana State House anytime soon? That depends on on the people. You know, it. Uh, you you listen to folk and how they think. Uh, and uh, former President Trump. You know, like if if uh, Dana, if I called the police and said that uh, you assaulted me, mm-hmm. they will arrest you and you go to court. You say I didn't touch him. Mm-hmm. Well, the judge said, "Well, we'll we'll adjudicate that, but you cannot leave Marion County because you've been charged with felony." Mm-hmm. Here's a guy that's got 91 felony charges against him, and he's going any place he wants to go. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and so it 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 it. Everyone's afraid of how it'll look if they treat. The, you know, the, the, it's a double. I, I think people are talking out of both sides of their their mouths, so to speak, because they say he's being treated like any other defendant, but yet and still he's not being treated like any other defendant, uh, because everyone's afraid of what it will look like if you do this, this, and that, and you want it to look fair. But in in making it, I, I think the crime there is trying to make it as even as possible. I think there's a crime. Um, well, let me let me say this about that. Any mother that has a child doing time should be offended because their mm-hmm. child did not get those same breaks. So, is he I mean, being treated fair, or is the system is is the system being being dealt fair? So is everybody getting the same breaks that he got? Is he being treated as badly as everybody else? Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that that I don't think that's the truth. Well, it's not the truth. And I mean, so so how do we emerge from this? Because at some point in time, all that's got to be wrapped up. They they you know the it's all going to be adjudicated. Everything is going to you know come to its logical conclusion or not logical but a conclusion so how how do we emerge from all this because i i think we emerge as a, forgive me but i think we emerge as a hypocritical uh, criminal justice system because there's nothing um fair or even that has taken place uh regarding citizen now citizen uh D- donald trump nothing nothing just like you said, anybody else would have been under the jail 10 times over. So there's nothing that you can say that justice was served or the system did what it was supposed to do so far that we've seen. Because, like you say, 92 felonies, you know, facing 92 felonies and running around free and breaking gag order after gag order after gag order. Um, our system's taking a he's he's taking a it's taking a beating and. Yeah, I don't. I don't care how esteemed these these judges and like and the like are, they're all folding. You know, nobody's nobody's taking. Uh, you know, nobody's taking a step. So I, I just think our criminal justice system is taking a beating at the hands of, of Donald Trump and everything he represents. So. And and the question is, is it fair? Is what fair? What opinion, do you mean? Is it fair? What do you mean? Wait the way that the criminal justice system is doing, and 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 my response to that would be no. No. We all know it. Of course not. Of course it's not fair. Of course it's not fair. But, you know, is fairness the objective here? That's that's the thing. Is fairness the objective here? With the and and again, I don't want to I don't want to get too far into the weeds with the, I, 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 don't I don't either. But yeah, but that's that's on a national level and and and, and we're here on the state, state level. Yeah, on the state level, I don't think that uh, our criminal justice system. The Constitution says that uh, criminal justice system, Department of Corrections, should not be used for punishment, but rehabilitation. And Whoa. I think yeah, I think it's just the opposite. I was going to say, how long has that been? Do we have, what was the, I think the last one I was told by somebody um, that used to be in that area, the last true reform, you know, uh, uh, rehabilitation uh, place for offenders or formerly incarcerated or incarcerated individuals now, as you say, but as they're, as they're supposed to be referred to, might have been Pendleton. A reformatory in that, yeah. uh, from what I hear, because of all of the programs and, and the rehabilitation initiatives that they had at that facility, uh, but it, they've all just become housing facilities, you know, just housing uh, with educational yeah. opportunities just dwindling by the by the year. 
Yeah, but then inside uh, DOC and outside DOC, our educational system is dwindling by the year. Mm-hmm. That's true. So it's, uh, uh, when when I went to Tech High School, you had auto shop, electrical shop, bricklaying, uh, brick mason, uh, wood shop, uh, uh, cosmetology, barbering. I mean, you had all those trades that you could learn in high school, and that's gone. You know, you had uh, folk go to, go, to, go to high school tailoring. Uh, I think that was offered at uh, Wood mm-hmm. and Attics, yeah. uh, tailoring and uh, dry cleaning even. Mm-hmm. You know? And those trades have not gone away, but we don't teach those in, 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 in high school anymore. Mm-hmm. No. no, you don't have that opportunity. Well, they're not funded. They're not funded. And that the funding comes from state legislatures, Representative well, Bartlett. <laughs> that, yeah, that's the reason why I got this bill on, on uh, education reform coming down. Mm. It, uh, because we have got to do something to get our children back interested in school. Yeah. It, uh, and, and what we did, uh, I graduated from Tech in 1966. Mm-hmm. So what we did in tech in 1966 and what they do today is just completely different. Right. So uh, we have to give the children, we have to we have to put something on the table that's going to capture their minds. Yeah, that's true. So uh, in short, what should we expect for the upcoming legislative session? Well, uh, I don't know. I don't think we'll be there a long time. I think that uh, we'll try to get in and get out because, see, every two years uh, during the short, short session, we get in and get out because we got we got to run. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, election year. It, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So election year. So like, uh, and and uh, we'll be out there, be busy. Yeah. Now, actually, I started running in in November 2022 for this next session. So, like, that's the way I do. I, I try to run for the two years. So when on election day, I don't have to panic because mm-hmm. uh, my people know me. My people know that I'm accessible. My people know that uh, uh, you go to Lincoln Square, 56 and Emerson, you're just going about run into me. Mm-hmm. And, and, and uh, you know, like, uh, and my cell numbers on everything I, I put out. So, uh I don't have nobody, and I'm there for my people. Okay. So you are indeed a declared candidate for office for 2024? No, Uh, I can't do that till January. Can't do that till January. January. Okay, you can't do that till January. So you're intending to run. That's my intent. It is your intent. Okay, we will not not give you that designation then. Yeah, so. All righty. Well, thank you so much for spending some time with us, and we'll be talking with you again soon, I'm sure. Um, and um, keep the session. We come back. We come back and give you a little more. All right. Well, keep up the good work. We appreciate you. Thank you so All much. Right. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. You too. And we'll be back with more community connection on Fest coming up right after this. Let's get back to the conversation. It's Community Connection with Tina Cosby on Praise AM 1310, 95.1 FM, Indy's Inspiration Station. And we're back with Community Connection. As I was, uh, we were sharing uh, at the top of the uh, top of the show, Onyx Fest, IUPUI's Onyx Fest. Um, the the uh, 
the state um, city's first and only theater festival, a theater festival that's uh, that's dedicated to the stories of black playwrights. Um, that's that's pretty significant, um, and it's about to kick off uh, on the third. It'll run the third through the fifth. Uh, what is today, Wednesday? So day after tomorrow, uh, a lot of these plays that are going to be featured during Onyx Fest. Onyx Fest, you have to say that very slowly, uh, are going to hit the stages uh, of where of the, the designated stages. We're going to hear a lot more about that, a lot more about the plays, a lot more about where and how and when and everything. But right now, let's meet some of the playwrights. Um, uh, they We have with us Josiah Ray McCruston. Is that correct? Yes, Josiah Ray McCruston. McCruston, hey. yeah, and you are the playwright of the play Five Moods of Black Anguish. Uh, we yes, have, D, the, yeah, we have D.L. Patrick, playwright of the play Right Behind You. Uh, and we also have with us um, Andre Ori, executive producer of the theatrical production The Heart of the Man. Uh, Hello. Welcome. Ar I'm sorry, Andre. Andre. Is that, wait a minute, how do you, how do you say your name? Audrey. 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 Oh, Audrey. Okay. I was reading the screen incorrectly. Audrey, thank you for being here with us. So, uh, first of all, congratulations to all of you. This is exciting, I guess. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, is is this the first time for each of you uh, being featured during Onyx Fest? Um, yes. I have been an uh, actor in Onyx Fest uh, years past, but this mm -hmm. is my first time with a show that I have written and directed. So uh -huh. I'm very excited about that opportunity. Okay, and, and someone else was weighing in there. Go ahead. That was me, Arjun or yes, it is my first time as well. Uh-huh, yeah. So the, the, can you share for, you, know, you all know and understand the significance from, from an artistic point of view, but from a community point of view, can you can one of you just, just share uh, the significance of what we're about to see unfold on the stages here uh, coming up the 3rd through the 5th? And Ar Audrey, I'll start with you. Sure. So, first and foremost, I know that I can, can speak to all the playwrights, but I'd like to say congratulations to everyone, and thank you so much for having us on the show today. But this is literally history in the making. Um, this is the first time that these productions are premiering, and it is really an opportunity for voices that have been marginalized for so long to be able to be heard. And so for our production, Audrey Ory presents the heart of a man, the goal is really for men to speak and for the world to listen, particularly black men. And we recognize that there has not always been a safe haven or a safe space for these voices to be heard. And so we're speaking about topics that are important to men, and we want to make sure that they are heard and that they have a platform to be amplified. Wow. Um, Mr. Ray, I'm, I'm sorry, Mr. McCruston, uh, Joshua Ray McCruston, your, your thoughts on the significance. Okay. We'll have to wait for uh, Mr. McCruston to come back. Uh, Mr. Patrick, go ahead. Your thoughts. Uh, yeah. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. DL Pat, I'm sorry. We're losing yeah, we're losing lines here and they're going a little crazy. So, um well, my play is um, Miss Patrick, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Thank you. Uh -huh. It's it's a dramatic comedy about family conflict, oh. love and caregiving. Uh -huh. um, I have three generations of women dealing with um, an aging and ailing matriarch in the early days of mm. the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm. So it's a story um, us are dealing with 
aging relatives and caregiving challenges, and we try to do that with as much humor and Mm -hmm. compassion as we can muster. And in the end, it's about how much we owe to those we love and how much we owe to ourselves. So I'm so grateful for the opportunity to have been selected for Onyx Fest because it's a unique opportunity for playwrights. We get to reach... um, it is a growing regional audience in Indiana, mm-hmm. um, and they're so excited to be back in theaters to see their stories on stage. So I think it's a fabulous opportunity, and I'm really grateful to be a part of it. So, Ms. Patrick, you talked about a, a mixture of comedy and drama. I'm curious mm-hmm. as to how you arrived at that decision to make your presentation. Well, the drama is kind of heavy, so you always need some kind of comic relief to light that heaviness when you're presenting um, a serious issue. And so, um, and that's just a part of our every, everyday lives. We deal with um, challenging topics is humor helps us get over those hurdles and helps us to deal with them. And so my play uh, incorporates humor in it um, during some of the most difficult moments. Yeah, and you chose COVID-19, which uh, that, that whole period, that era of, of you know, lockdown, when it was at its worst, you know, when we were going through it at its worst. Um, yeah. Any, anything in particular why you chose that as your backdrop? Well, I have a personal mm. reason. Okay. I, I lost someone very close to me during the pandemic. I'm sorry. And so it was weighing heavy on my mind, and I just had to write something about it. Mm. Um, and I'm also... I was also at that time dealing with caregiving issues with my own mm-hmm. uh, parents. And so it was a lot of firsthand experience, but then seen through a lot of other people's eyes as well, friends and other family, people you know mm-hmm. that I worked with were going through similar issues. And so it was like I just had to write about it to get it out of my system and to share mm-hmm. what I was feeling and thinking and um, hopefully that it would make a difference for other people seeing it. And uh, the actors who are in my play, they're, they're really, really wonderful actors. Mm. Um, they also um, seem to resonate, the story resonates with them, too, from personal experience. Mm. So what they're bringing to the stage, the performance, is just really deep and personal, and I think it'll really impact people very deeply. Indeed. Okay, uh, Josiah, are you back? I am. Okay. Sorry about dropping out. No, that's okay. It's technology. We deal with it every day. There it is. So we got to deal with it. So, so the significance of 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 your uh, your piece of work here. So the significance of my piece of work is um, it is deeply uh, drenched in what I call the voices of the past um, or the idea of Sankofa. So I have reached back into the um, uh, aisles of history, and I've brought three voices that I deeply admire and appreciate, Um, the three voices being uh, Langston Hughes from the Harlem Renaissance, as well as... as well as the um, wonderful voice of Zora Neale Hurston and... um, the voice of August Wilson. And I have combined their three ideas, their um, three uh, inspirations to create what is um, a part of a larger piece called 12 Moods for Black Anguish. Mm-hmm. But um, 
these five moods that I have selected not only encapsulate time, Mm -hmm. they um, encapsulate uh, the struggle of the black experience, but also um, our glory and how resilient the black um, the black identity is. We have for centuries and for millennia dealt with oppression after oppression after oppression, even going back before um, the Isles of Slavery. We can track um, black bodies being abused, but through that abuse and through that hurt, Um, The beauty that we create, the lands that we have touched have always been enriched by our inspiration. The uh, lives that we have lived and led have always brought out the beauty. So um, Five Moods of Black Anguish will leave you with um, a smile in your heart, a tear in your eye, Mm -hmm. and a laugh in your stomach. Wow. feel that is the most um, that is the most significant part of my play Mm -hmm. but also the whole significance of Onyx Fest is it is the uh, one of the only uh, festivals in Indiana Mm -hmm. that um, brings so many diverse voices to the table so um, Indie Fringe is like a great culminator of creating theater on the fringe, but uh-huh. the Onyx Fest, which um, was birthed out of the Indie Fringe uh, theater, is the only um, playwriting festival that allows Black playwrights to be their true, authentic selves. And I am so grateful to be a part of this um Festival. I'm grateful to be in this list. This lineup is amazing. So this right. fifth year, um, I think I think they did something right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> collection yeah. of authors and um, some of the actors that I've seen. I'm like, oof. Yeah. Y'all, y'all just get your tickets and just be prepared for yeah. amazing two weekends. Yeah, so two weekends in a row. Uh, five <laughs> never produced one act plays. Is that correct? Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, let me ask you: Do you all get around to each other's work, or I mean, are, are you just kind of when your play is on stage, you're kind of tied to that? Do you all get around to seeing all of them, uh, other than yours? Do any of you do get a chance to do that? I will make a special effort to see each and every one, uh-huh. um, not only for uh, opening night, but also throughout the entire. Play because you know opening night jitters versus <laughs> you know closing night glory is, uh-huh. they're two different shows they're so two, the energy excited. is so different isn't it that that's really hard mm-hmm. for people to kind of grasp but it really mm-hmm. is a different feel because i've seen i've seen the the extreme you know opening night play and then go back and see you know that maybe two or three weeks later or whatever however long the run is it's a completely different vibration mm-hmm. wow so uh, I'm I'm sorry, Miss Patrick. You were was it you were saying about looking about watching and taking in the other uh, the other plays? Uh, well, I, I'm looking forward to it because I haven't had an opportunity um, yet to see it in action. I'm from Detroit and I've been going back and forth from Indianapolis, um, working with the director 
of my play and the actors. Um, Megan Simonton, by the way, is my director, and she is just phenomenal. So, Um, but I'm looking really looking forward to seeing Josiah's play and all the other plays. Um, I've met the playwrights, and their passion for their work is just um, amazing. And um, Yeah, I'm going to start with you, Miss Audrey. What does it feel like, and, and the rest of you can, can weigh in on this as well, what does it feel like when you see your words uh, come to life um, through these actors that we're talking about? Okay, that might be the, uh, Miss Ori might be the one. Uh, no, I can I can hear. I wasn't sure can... if I just speak. Um, thank you so much for that question. Yes. To be honest, um, sitting in the audience is almost like an outer body experience. Um, I I've often like, wondered about that. Yeah, what's that like? It really is one of those things that you you almost can't believe that it's happening. You can't believe that mm-hmm. those words that you created and you poured, you know, your heart and soul into that they're actually taking shape. Mm-hmm. And I think that as a as a creator and a creative, you truly feel like you become one with the art. So um, for me, anytime I've ever had the, the pleasure of sitting in the audience and not being worried about a lot of the logistics, which is exactly one of the things that Onyx Fest allows us to do, um, even though, like we was mentioned, I have a dynamic director in Rashida Randall. She and I have worked together many times. She handles everything that needs to be handled. But because of the fact that this is with Onyx Fest and they have done so many great things to help take the pressure off of. We produced, mm-hmm. you know, plays before where all of the pressure was on us. And so to have that means that, you know, as an executive producer, as a writer, I can sit there and it just is a delight. It's a joy. It's something that I hope every uh, playwright gets an opportunity to experience at least one time, but I think right. it's becoming one with your artist dynamic. Yeah. Mr. McCurston, what, what is it? What's it like for you? So I, I find that it is um, a spiritual experience. I, I equate uh. the um, work of theater to church. Um, If you look at, like, from the front to the back, you always, you've got an usher, you get a program, (laughs) um, you go in, you you go for the experience, there's there's some music playing, Uh either you're going to see a musical or play, or the worship team's up, and then when the word is delivered, the the message that pricks your heart, that gives you this, you can either have, like, a deep reflective moment or an outer body experience, so... I I always equate what theater is to church, and um, oh. I, I have a Holy Ghost good time. When Holy Ghost good people, time, okay. <laughs> when I see people with um, the the grace and the fullness of expression, just mm-hmm. like say my words, I feel like ooh. I did good. <laughs> yeah, and, and speaking of which, is it? Are you ever? Are any of you ever surprised that at the interpretation of the other artist, the actor, uh, that they take um, yeah. they take your words to a place that you never thought that they would be, or what have you? I, I mean, all good, but just in a way artistically that even you might not have imagined when you were putting pen to paper, so to speak. Yeah, 
great question. Yes. <laughs> um, that to sum it up, yes, that is the actor's responsibility. Um, the actor's responsibility is to lift the words from the page and do the unimaginable with them. Um, we are imaginative and creative creatures by nature. Mm-hmm. So to see someone else take uh, on to the work and do it with um, do it with care, because I've seen some people pick up some words and recite, and it's like, ooh, you, you must hate me. but to see these actors do great work and uh, have such a beautiful touch and a beautiful grace it is a uh, it's a beautiful experience i absolutely love it yeah miss patrick any any thoughts on that i've just been floored by what the actors in my play have been bringing to to the piece um it's gone beyond what I imagined and hearing those words and seeing the emotion and the intellect that they bring to it um, it's it, it just it's, it, it, I can't describe it but it's a wonderful experience um, to know that what I've written is something that they can relate to and that they're going to share with an audience who will relate to it and so that feeling and that um, those words and that emotion mm-hmm. um, is going to be like a ripple in the stream that just goes from them to the audience and beyond, you know, impacting people. And that is a wonderful feeling to know that um, that, that happens and that the, the actors trust the work. They trust what you've written so much that they're willing to get out on the stage and live it. And um, so I'm, I'm very appreciative of what they've done and thrilled by everything that they're doing. Indeed. Well, um, I am really, really excited for each and every one of you and the other the other playwrights who are going to have uh, their pieces uh, take the stage um, uh, during Onyx Fest. So the, the details and how people can go and attend if they're interested. Anyone want to give the deets? Uh, I'll, I'll, let, uh, I'll let whoever wants to do that go ahead and, and give us the details. So you would go to onyxfest.com and you would um, find the tab that says buy tickets mm-hmm. and you can select which um, play you would like to see if you select all of them um they do have special passes um a flex pass if you will mm-hmm. at a discounted rate so if you want to see all five i believe the cost to see all of them is um 60 dollars. Mm-hmm. but if you want to see the individual play um, it is 15 dollars a ticket mm-hmm. the first weekend will be at the indie basile theater um or the Indie Fringe Theater at, in the Basile space. And that's at 719 St. Clair Avenue at the end of Mass Ave, um, right across the street from the garage, that big, huge mm-hmm. bottle works place that they mm-hmm, just built. Mm-hmm. And then the second weekend will be at the historic Christmas Addicts High School in their theater, which seats... Um, now, listen, we want to see everybody in them seats. They they got about three, 500 seats 
<laughs> in that one theater. So call your mama, call your cousins and them. Right. Uh, call Pookie and Ray Ray and get them in the seats because we want to see everybody. But group tickets, if you would like to purchase those, are ten dollars. Um, no, thirteen dollars for ten. Yeah. So um, I think one hundred and thirty for a group of ten people can come. So all five and, of all five of these plays will be on stage November third through the fifth, and then again all five will be on stage November tenth through the twelfth. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. Okay, yeah. So you all are going to be in. Okay, I got it. I got it. Um, uh, Onyxfest, O-N-Y-X-F-E-S-T dot com? Yes. The website? Okay, anything we missed? Uh, now, now well, what, what's the showtime for each of these? Is is it the same each weekend? No, um, <laughs> showtimes do change. Oh, showtimes so, vary. Um, okay. If you find yourself on the website, the flyer will tell you each. Um, will there be matinees? There are matinees, yes. There okay. are matinees and late night showings. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So on the third, the um, first play on Friday is um, at 6.30. And then uh, there's a show right after, which will be at 8 o'clock. And then... Uh, Saturdays is when you get to see all five. So if you want to make your day a theater-filled day, a black theater, <laughs> a good black theater, good black you, theater. Go to the, you can just uh, post-up shop, get that flex pass, post-up shop, and see every single play. Wow. Thank you all so, so very much. Congratulations on your plays, uh, your stage productions, um, and again, um, I hope you have fantastic crowds and fantastic turnouts. And again, congratulations on your work. They all, all of the plays sound absolutely fascinating. And uh, can't thank you all enough for coming on, sharing with us. Thank you so much for having us. All righty, thank you so thank much you. for having us. All right, break a leg, y'all. <laughs> all righty, thank you. And again, um, that's Onyx Fest. Uh, and we'll have the information about that on our website, praiseindy.com. Uh, that is all the time we have for right now for Community Connection. Um, programming reminder, tomorrow, 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 Thursday, we are going to be live from the Moselle Sanders Thanksgiving Day fundraising luncheon, trying to raise some money for that Thanksgiving Day dinner that feeds all of central indiana feed a lot of central indiana it's a good thing and uh, we are so happy and so excited to be able to be out there uh, broadcasting live uh, for you uh, from that event so that's where we're going to be tomorrow uh, don't forget about our website praiseindy.com willie moore jr on the radio is up next thank you as always for listening we'll talk again tomorrow live from the moselle sanders thanksgiving day luncheon as always be safe and be well i'm tina cosby and this is community connection mm-hmm.